CNN's Town Hall Trap. Mr. Reagan. All right, so as we all know, Donald Trump recently did a town hall with CNN, and Donald Trump crushed it. Donald Trump absolutely aced this town hall. The man proved once again why he is such a legend. But here's why this town hall was so phenomenal. Because CNN did everything in their power to try to make Donald Trump look bad. This was not a town hall. This was a trap. It's a trap! But here's the thing. Donald Trump knew it was a trap. And just like in so many Hollywood films, he went in anyway. So Donald Trump took up the challenge. He engaged in the face-off. Even though he knew odds were not going to be in his favor, he knew CNN would do everything in their power to try to destroy him, to make him look bad. Democrats keep saying, Donald Trump had an audience full of Republicans. This is very irresponsible on the part of CNN because they just made him look good. They were all cheering for him. They loved him. Not quite. First of all, I'd like to say that a lot of the people in that crowd were not Republicans. A lot of the people were fake Republicans, and a lot of the people were very obviously left-wing Democrats. I noticed this girl in particular. Yeah, she she does not like Donald Trump. <laughs> but why would I why would I say that this is not actually good for Donald Trump? Why would I say that this is something that was done to make Donald Trump look bad? Well, think about the alternative, right? Let's say you put the whole crowd, the whole crowd's all hostile Democrats, right? Even if Trump does poorly, conservatives will say, or Trump supporters will say, well, you know, Trump, they obviously staged the whole thing to make Donald Trump look bad. So if the audience wasn't very receptive to Donald Trump, then, you know, it's not really his fault. Uh, you know, this is CNN's fault. Or even if it was a mixed crowd and there were some boos and stuff like that. But if you fill the crowd with all Republicans, Trump supporters, or at least give the perception that the crowd is full of Trump supporters, then if Trump does poorly, well, then Trump really looks bad because he's got no excuse. So they were giving the appearance that the deck was stacked in Trump's favor so that when he stumbled and fumbled and failed and looked like a fool, well, there was no excuse. There was no getting out of it. And a lot of people noticed, of course, that Caitlin Collins was interrupting Trump all the time, constantly bickering. Just any time Donald Trump said anything, she would come back. That's not true. I don't agree with that. You're wrong, you know. And it got to be unbelievably annoying. It was insufferable. A lot of people online were like, imagine being that woman's husband. <laughs> yeah. Uh, hopefully she's not like that in her private life. But I actually did a count. If you watch my other video, I did a, I did a town hall supercut, and I had a countdown. I had a ticker of all the times she would interrupt him. And it was 101 times. It was a 60-minute, a one-hour debate. Uh, debate. It was, a, it was supposed to be a town hall. It ended up being kind of a debate. And she interrupted him 101 times. If you average that out, that's an interruption every 35 seconds. The woman just couldn't help herself. But, but here's the thing. I don't believe that it was just that she hated Trump and she wanted to get Trump or whatever. I think this was all set up specifically so that she would do that, right? I think they had like a little thing in her ear and somebody had a microphone and they were telling her what to say. And I think that they it wasn't just one person. I think they had a team of fact checkers that would look up anything that Trump would say, any fact that Trump would bring up, anything that he would say, they would go, okay, let's go on Snopes or something, right? And they would go, okay, let's fact check that. And then they would give it to the person with a mic and the mic would say, okay, fact check him on this, tell him that this is wrong, blah, 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 blah. And Caitlin would just go for it and just do it, right? And that's why she was interrupting him so much. But as we know, Snopes is not a fair and balanced website. You know, they're, they're very hard left fact checkers. So a lot of the stuff on these fact check sites is also wrong. So I think they were fact-checking him, and then 
they would tell Caitlin to challenge him on something and then she would be wrong about stuff. So she wasn't right about the stuff she was fact-checking on. And so it made her look even worse. And Trump had the receipts. Trump knew what he was saying. And Trump killed it. Trump just dominated. Because when you turn a town hall into a debate, Trump's debate opponent in this case, was not at all prepared for that high level of debate. Because Trump is a top-level debater. And then you bring in this chick, Caitlin Collins, who nobody even knows who this is. Bring her in. It's, it's, like, it's like going to the Coliseum in Rome. And you expect to see a bear and a tiger fight. But instead, you throw the tiger in with a little bunny rabbit. Yeah, the tiger is going to destroy the bunny rabbit. Trump is the tiger. And yeah, Caitlin Collins got absolutely obliterated. I'm surprised that they haven't filed charges against Trump for uh, the public beating of Caitlin Collins. Yeah, so I think that this entire so-called town hall, which wasn't really a town hall, was totally rigged. It was totally rigged to make Donald Trump look bad. And their primary weapon, the primary way in which CNN rigged this town hall, was a trick known to chess players as Zugzvong. What's Zugzvong? I'll explain in one moment. First, of course, I have to sell you something. There's no denying it. Gold is hot right now. Prices are soaring and experts are predicting even more to come. Not so long ago, gold reached its all-time high of $2,069 per ounce. And now it's inching ever closer to that number once again. Bank of America, one of the largest banks in the world, is saying that gold will rise further still to over $2,200 an ounce later this year. So what? Well, gold is already a safety net for your hard-earned money. And now when the stock market is all over the place and the value of the dollar is uncertain, being safe really counts like never before. Right now, Noble Gold is offering a 5-ounce America the Beautiful coin for any qualified IRA or 401k rollover. Terms apply. A solid silver U.S. Mint-issued coin celebrating our national parks free with every qualifying precious metals IRA or 401k rollover. You can't go wrong with Noble Gold Investments. Call 877-646-5347 or go to noblegoldinvestments.com. That's noblegoldinvestments.com. So what was the primary trick that CNN used to try to make Trump look bad in this fake town hall, this rigged town hall? It was something called Zugzwang. Zugzwang in chess is when you're in a position where your opponent has forced you to make a move that you do not want to move. It's a bad move, but you're forced to make it because it's the only move you got. So, for instance, this is done very easily with a knight piece, right? A knight piece moves in this odd way. So sometimes you'll find that you have two pieces in positions that are in striking distance of a knight. All the knight has to do is find his way right between those two pieces. And sometimes you might notice, well, if that guy's knight gets there, then I'm going to have to move this rook. But you don't realize that if that guy's knight gets there, you also are going to have to move your queen. And so if he moves the knight into place, now you're in Zugzwang. Now you've got to either move your queen or your rook. Either way, something's going to be taken. You've got to sacrifice one of your pieces in order to preserve the other one. Zugzwang. It's a terrible no-win situation. In Star Trek, this is called the Kobayashi Maru, the no-win scenario. So that's how they were trying to trap Donald Trump. They were trying to trap him in Zugzwang. They were trying to get him in a, in a position with all of the questions. And this is the crazy thing. You, when they say, oh, this is an audience that's friendly to you, then you think, oh, these are going to be softball questions. These are going to be lobs. These are going to be very easy for Donald Trump to answer. But they weren't. Notice that a lot of the people that were asking questions, they had notes and they were literally reading the questions, or at least they were referencing the notes. 
This is because the CNN producers clearly said to these folks asking questions, you've got to ask this question exactly this way, precisely this way. I presume that the people who weren't reading just had the question memorized. But yeah, they wanted specific questions asked, and they wanted them asked very specific ways. You have to ask it this way. And then Caitlin Collins would come up with a follow-up because she knew what the question was going to be. So she'd come up with a follow-up often that would attempt to make Trump look stupid, make him look bad, make him look evil, whatever it was, bigoted, whatever it is they wanted to make Trump look like. They were looking to get sound bites and talking points for Joe Biden in the general election. And they were maybe even trying to make Trump look bad enough that he wouldn't even run for president anymore. I, I don't think that that was, I think that would probably be very optimistic, but CNN obviously failed. Even with an entire team of people up against Trump and somebody talking through a microphone, telling Caitlin Collins what to say, this entire team at CNN was, even with rigged questions from audience members who maybe were true Republicans, audience members who were maybe fake Republicans, audience members that were probably mostly never Trumpers, and even one leftist for sure, that was a very obvious leftist, even with all the questions rigged and so many people against Trump on that stage, because it wasn't just a debate between Caitlin Collins and Donald Trump. This was a debate between Donald Trump and the entire CNN team. And yet Trump still comes out ahead. Not only does he come out ahead, he absolutely crushed it. That just shows the power of Donald Trump. Donald Trump is a juggernaut, a political juggernaut. I don't think he can be stopped in any legitimate way. All right, now I want to go through question by question and we'll just analyze what they're doing here, right? And we'll see how all of these questions are rigged. Question number one. I want to bring in Scott Dustin from Concord. He works in insurance litigation. He's an undeclared voter. That's what they call independence here okay. in New Hampshire, as you know. Okay, I tried to look this guy up. This guy is like a ghost. I could not find anything about him whatsoever. Did he actually vote for Donald Trump ever? I, I have no idea. But it says here that he is an undeclared voter, which I guess in New Hampshire means he's an independent. He's independent. He's not registered as a Republican. So th this is, I noticed this for actually a lot of the people speaking. There was this uh, pretense that the audience was all Republicans or Trump supporters. But I looked up every single one of these people, and from what I could tell, there's only really one Trump supporter that asked a question. All right, let's listen to what this guy has to say. He did vote for you in 2020. Scott, what's your question for the president? Hi, uh, President Hi, Trump. Welcome back to New Hampshire. Thank you. Uh, will you suspend polarizing talk of election fraud during your run for president? Okay. So this guy's reading from a note that he's obviously been given, right? If, if this guy just had a question of his own, he would just go up and say it. He just didn't go up and ask a question. But he's got a specifically, oh, I've got to use the word polarizing, polarizing talk. Polarizing talk of election fraud during your run for president. The great thing about this is, you know, this is the first question that they have asked of Donald Trump, right? They really want to push Trump on this issue because they know that this is divisive. And then the first question they asked a little focus group in their post-town hall discussion of everything, they said, aren't you sick of hearing Donald Trump talk about the 2020 election? And this guy's like, well, that was the first question you asked him. He has lied about the 2020 election. Stuff ballot boxes, it's all made up. He's lost dozens of court cases. Does it bother you that he keeps talking about 2020 and not 2024? I'll ask you first, this is Jonathan Leslie, he's 40, Republican, voted for Trump twice. How do you feel about those lies? 
So I feel like part of it's also the media narrative as you guys asked him the first question at the town hall about the 2020 election rather than current stuff. So don't you think he could say it's time for me to start talking about 2024, not lies that aren't true? Couldn't the media ask him a question about 2024? Well, there were questions, but you're right. That was the first thing, but that's something that was on our mind. I just love this guy. I love that this guy has become kind of like a quasi-celebrity now for being like, well, if you asked him the question, of course he's going to answer. What the hell are you talking about? You're the one bringing up the 2020 election. That's the funny thing. Leftists are like, oh, geez, Trump and his, you know, divisive rhetoric about the 2020 election. You guys cannot stop talking about it. You can't stop talking about Trump. You can't stop talking about the 2020 election. You can't stop talking about any of that stuff. You call it the big lie, and you mention it on TV still to this day, like every single day. Probably every day, somebody mentions the big lie on MSNBC and CNN. So it's not Trump that's obsessed. It's you guys. But what I love here is that Donald Trump absolutely nails this question. He nails the answer to this question. His answer is beautiful. It's slick. It's perfect. And here's the great thing. It's not what CNN expected. Let's listen to the answer. If I see election fraud, I think I have an obligation to say it. And you know what we went through uh, a short while ago has really put our country in a big problem. Uh, I hope to do that. I hope we're going to have very honest elections. Uh, we should have voter ID. We should have one-day elections. We should have paper ballots instead of these mail-in votes. But uh, the answer is yes, and I hope that it's going to be very straight up, because if it's going to be straight up, we're going to win the election. So you Thank will suspend talk to his question about the 2020 election on the campaign well, trail? I guess uh, we're going to just win. We're at a point now. We're getting so close. Let's just win it again and straighten out our country. <laughs> I love the look on her face when the audience interrupts her with their applause. She's trying to just move on to the next thing because she knows that was a good answer, right? Trump just killed that, right? Because here's the funny thing. Trump is answering honestly. He, he's not a politician. This is the reason people love Trump. He's not a politician. She doesn't get that. The CNN people, they don't get that. They don't understand Trump is not a politician. He's not out there going, oh, what is the answer that I must give in order for my voter base to appreciate me? Right. He's not an automaton drone. He's not an NPC. Right. He's a real person who thinks through these things. And like in his mind, he's thinking, well, 2020 is over, right? We dealt dealt with that the best we could. It's like whatever, legitimate or illegitimate. Biden's in office. Now I got to run again in 2024, win, and then sort out the country because the country is going to hell, right? So he's got his focus, just like a, a normal businessman. He says, okay, we had a little bit of a problem here. For whatever reason, we lost money. All right, we'll fix that. We'll deal with that. But let's move forward. Let's figure out how to make money at this company. Let's fix the problems with the business and let's make this thing profitable. He's thinking, all right, let's fix the problem with the country and make America great again. That's where Trump's head's at, just like how you would expect a businessman to be. It's a perfect answer. And Caitlin Collins was not expecting it. And the person in her ear was not expecting it. And the team of fact checkers that they got behind the curtain there, they were not expecting it. So she just tries to move on. And what happens? The crowd's applauding and she's, I mean, look at that face, wrecked, wrecked. When you've talked about the 2020 election results in the past, you once suggested terminating the, com the Constitution. Do you stand by those comments? No, no. You were able to do certain things. I'm not talking about terminating the Constitution. I'm talking about cherishing the Constitution. So that's their follow-up, right? They got this plan. They know this guy's going to ask the question. So they get Caitlin Collins. They say, okay, this is your follow-up. You asked Trump about terminating the Constitution. You know, you said terminate the Constitution, right? 
Trump's trying to protect the Constitution. He didn't say anything about a terminating the Constitution. That's ridiculous, right? This is a brilliant example of the when did you stop beating your wife question, right? There's this famous question, this famous uh, hypothetical question that you could ask a politician, when did you stop beating your wife? And it's a trick question, right? Because no matter what way you answer it, well, I mean, unless you're really skilled rhetorically, no matter how you answer it, you're going to sound bad. It's another example of Zugzwang, right? Uh, you're put into a no-win scenario. So she asks Trump, basically, this kind of question, this kind of no-win scenario question. And the way she does it is she frames Donald Trump's previous comment about you know, how you deal with elections and this kind of stuff as terminating the Constitution. But Trump never talked about terminating the Constitution. So Trump just has to correct her. And this is and this is the thing. Trump has such a mastery of rhetoric. The thing is, Trump is trying to answer honestly, but he can also speak clearly and concisely in such a way that people get it. People understand him. Leftists don't really understand him. So leftists distort what he's saying a lot. I don't always think intentionally. I think sometimes leftists really do hear the nasty things that they assign to Donald Trump that he's not actually saying. But I think obviously a lot of times they'll try to twist what he's saying, you know, into something that it isn't. Obviously, the people in the media do that all the time. And that's definitely what they did with this town hall. All right, let's go on to the next one. Wayne Byer is a retired attorney from North Conway. He has previously served in Republican administrations. He volunteered for the Republican Party in the 2022 midterms. He voted for you in 2020. What's your question for the president, Wayne? Now, this guy, I could not really find much social media on either, but he did go to Harvard. Uh, he has got a LinkedIn, and I noticed he went to Harvard. I think he went to Dartmouth and uh, one of the other big schools, Georgetown, I think he went to. So this guy is one of these, you know, establishment guys. Like, for sure, he's probably involved with a lot of people that hate Trump. I'm going to guess that he's some kind of never-Trumper. She says he voted for Trump. I'm not sure I believe that. Is he technically a Republican? Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Thank you for coming, Mr. President. Thank you, Wayne. My, my, my question to you is, will you pardon the January 6th rioters who were convicted of federal offenses? Also, look how he reads that note, right? Again, they've given him a note. He's got to read it in this very specific way. They don't just say, you can ask about the January 6th protesters, right? Because then he'll say, do you plan to pardon the January 6th protesters who were unlawfully arrested, harassed, detained, you know, this horrible thing that happened to them? Are you going to pardon these people? And Trump would be like, yeah, of course, and everybody would love it. No, no, no. He's got to say it in this very specific way. Will you pardon the January 6th rioters who were convicted of federal offenses? Okay. First of all, they force him to call them January 6th rioters, not protesters, rioters. And then also very specifically, they have him ask about those protesters that were convicted of federal offenses. So they it's actually a very specific question, but it's tricky, right? It's sort of a trick question because it sounds like he's just talking about the January 6th protesters generally, you know, many of whom really did nothing wrong, you know, like the shaman. The shaman didn't do anything wrong, and obviously Tucker Carlson helped to get him out of prison. But a lot of people have been rotting in prison totally inappropriately, and that's who we think of naturally when this guy asks the question. But the way that he phrases it, very specifically, he does so, I believe, so that journalists can then write, oh, Trump said he was going to pardon all of these January 6th rioters who were convicted of federal crimes, right? That's why he was forced to say it in this very specific way. He was given a note, you have to say it in this very specific way, because they're trying to trap Donald Trump. I am inclined to pardon many of them. 
I can't say for every single one, because a couple of them, probably, they got out of control. But, you know, when you look at Antifa, what they've done to Portland, and if uh, you look at Antifa, look at what they've done to Minneapolis and uh, so many other, so many other places, look at what they did to Seattle and BLM, BLM. Many people were killed. These people, I'm not trying to justify anything. But you have two standards of justice in this country, and what they've done, and I, I love that question, because what they've done to so many people is nothing, nothing. And then what they've done to these people, they've persecuted these people. This is actually a brilliant answer, because he uses the question, even though it's framed in such a way to trap Donald Trump, he sort of changes the question here. And he doesn't really address the specific question that's being asked. He doesn't care about that. Yeah, the journalists are trying to trap him in an answer. He says, look, look at the hypocrisy of Democrats. They have absolutely no interest in prosecuting anybody on the left who commits real crimes. And then on the right, they're not just prosecuting people on the right who commit crimes. They're persecuting innocent people on the right. Look at that hypocrisy. Look at those two standards of justice. And Highlighting those two standards of justice is brilliant. Now, I personally, I would not have been as measured as Donald Trump. Donald Trump goes out there and he says, yeah, I'll pardon most of them. Maybe there are a, a few that I wouldn't, but yeah, for sure I'm going to pardon most of them. I would have just said, yeah, I'm going to pardon them all. Because I look at January 6th as a false flag, a psyop. I look at it as an FBI operation. I look at these people that were arrested as having been the victims of entrapment. And I think that they have a great case to exonerate them based on this entrapment defense if they are allowed all the information that they can get from the federal government. But of course, the federal government is hiding a lot of stuff about the FBI involvement. And we know the FBI was involved because they were asked about this directly and they said, well, we're not allowed to talk about that. We're not allowed to talk about that. Well, why wouldn't you be allowed to talk about that unless you were involved in it? Of course you could talk about it. If you weren't involved in it, you would just say, we're, we're, we were not involved in January 6th. But if they are involved, then, of course, they're going to say, well, we can't talk about that. We can't talk about that because it was an FBI operation. So these people were entrapped, and it was all BS. I'd let them all go. I'd let them all go. I mean, okay, maybe I'd look and see. Maybe if there's some crazy people or some, like, Antifa agitators that I want to keep in prison, something like that. But he was way more measured than me. Maybe this is why Trump's a great politician and I'm just a YouTuber. But I don't know. I don't know. I don't I don't know if I would be as good at this as Trump is, but Trump's answer whoosh, like a ninja. Fantastic. And yeah, my my answer is I am most likely if I get in, I will most likely I would say it will be a large portion of them. You know, they did a very and it will be very early on. And they're living in hell right now. So when it comes they're to living pardons. in hell and their policemen and their firemen and their soldiers and they're carpenters and electricians, and they're great people. Many of them are just great people. Mr. President, one of the people who was convicted was a former policeman, but he was convicted of attacking a police officer, I should note. Great response. I mean, Trump's response is perfect. And then this chick comes in, and she's like, oh, got to fact check you in real time. She was so obnoxious. Honestly, like the fifth or sixth interruption. I mean, she's, I'm only showing you the audience questions. I'm not showing you her bickering nonsense. Now, if you watched my previous video, you know that Caitlin Collins was just interrupting Trump relentlessly throughout this entire town hall. And if I were Trump, I think at one point I would have just said, hey, you know what would actually help this town hall out and make it go a little bit smoother, a little bit better? Maybe you could interrupt me more. That would be fantastic. <laughs> I know that kind of sarcasm isn't really Trump's thing, but that's what I would do. And then if she kept being obnoxious, what I would say is something like, so you know 
that I know, that they all know, that we disagree on everything. So you don't have to correct me all the time. You don't have to point out that you disagree with me. You don't have to try to point out that you think that I'm lying. We all know that's what you think. We all know you don't like me. So how about in order to make this whole thing go a little bit smoother, you just shut up and let me answer the questions. The whole crowd goes nuts again. She feels embarrassed. Hopefully she calms down and we get through it in a more professional manner. I know that's not really Trump's style. That's just what I would do. But okay, what? who am I to tell Trump how to do this? Trump did this brilliantly. He's come out looking like one of the greatest politicians in the whole world. And you know how? By not being a politician at all, just expressing what he truly believes. When you said you are considering pardoning a large portion of those charged with crimes on January 6th, does that include the four Proud Boys members who were charged and convicted of seditious conspiracy? I don't know. I'd have to look at their case. But I will say, in Washington, D.C., you cannot get a fair trial. You cannot. Just like in New York City, you can't get a fair trial. Either. Oh, that was so great. That was so great. He Again, he turns the question to his favor. He's great at this. He's great at this. So this chick, again, tries to trap him, right? Zugzwang. Again, this is an example of Zugzwang. No matter what Trump answers, it's going to be bad for him, right? It'll either be, it'll either alienate his base or it will further alienate leftists and potentially moderate voters, right? Independent voters. And that's what they want on CNN. That's what they want. They're trying to split Trump up between his base and the moderate independent voters. And if they can just get the base to vote for him and nobody else, he'll lose. That's what they think. And they think that if they can get him to be a little bit more moderate and get the base to stop voting for him, then they think he'll lose. So it's, there's, he's got a balance. Trump has got a balance of moderates and the hardcore, you know, right-wing voters. But the reality is there's not that much difference between the hardcore right-wing voters and the moderates. And that's what the leftists don't understand. But this is what they're thinking. This is why they're trying to catch him in this Zugzwang. Okay, you either got to tailor your answers to the hardcore Trump supporters or to the moderates. And so she asks him, you know, what about the Proud Boys? Because if he says, oh, of course I'm going to free the Proud Boys, then the base loves him. And then the, and the moderates are like, whoa, whoa, that's not cool. But then if he says, no, I don't really like the Proud Boys. The Proud Boys are awful. You know, they're a bunch of whatever bigots or something. Then CNN thinks the base is going to say, oh, Donald Trump is a rhino. He's a phony. We don't we don't like him anymore. Right. And the moderates are going to say, oh, yeah, yeah, that's not that's a reasonable answer because CNN and these people, they don't understand. They think that hardcore right wing Trump supporters like myself, they all think that we're these redneck lunatics. Right. They all think that we're bigots and racists and all this stuff. And we're not. We're normal, rational, reasonable people. We think very similar to the moderates, except the moderates oftentimes like if you're a moderate Republican, you probably have views that are a little bit left-leaning. Maybe you're pro-choice or something like that, right? Usually you're conservative in every way, except for maybe one or two issues or something like that, right? There are people that I disagree with on some things, but are potentially going to vote for Donald Trump anyway. But on most of the stuff, 90% of the stuff, I'm going to agree with a moderate, and I would call myself a pretty hard-right conservative. So yeah, this idea that they're trying to trap him by putting him between the hardcore right wing and the moderates, they just don't know what they're doing. CNN and Democrats generally just completely misjudge the right wing in America, conservatives in America. They don't understand us, so how can they beat us? We've got Danielle Rieger. She works as an oral surgery assistant. She's a Republican activist from Derry. She was a New Hampshire delegate for you in 2020. What's your question? Okay, now I researched this woman and I was able to actually find her online. She, her online presence hasn't been completely erased from existence like some of these other speakers. This woman seems to be a legitimate Republican. 
She seems to be a legitimate Trump supporter. I even found this photo of her with a Trump hat. Make America great again. So I think that this woman is actually legitimate. And I, I also think her question is legitimate. This is the only question the entire night which didn't seem to be curated by the CNN producers. This woman seemed to just have a reasonable question and was actually permitted to ask it. I don't know what CNN was thinking here, but uh, this is a uh, this seems to me like a legitimate Republican asking a legitimate question. Hi, thank you so much for coming to New Hampshire thank to you. answer our questions. My question is regarding the economy. Over the past two years, we have seen the prices for everything skyrocket. From food to gas to utilities and insurance costs, many people's bills are up several hundred dollars a month, including mine. If elected president again, what is the first thing you would do to help bring down the cost to make things more affordable? Drill, baby, drill. Okay. See, this is why CNN curates all the questions that their audience asks because this woman she just took the golf ball took a beautiful little tee set it up absolutely perfect gave donald trump the golf club and said hit it into the stratosphere and trump absolutely did drill baby drill i mean people just loved hearing that and the thing is oil and gas actually kind of important to this woman i looked her up she, she advocates for this sort of thing so this was a legitimate question gave donald trump a great opportunity here and he absolutely sees that opportunity. He goes on in more detail, but you know, that was a moment. Drill baby drill was a moment. We were energy independent. We were soon going to be energy dominant. And nobody had ever done what I did. We got oil down to $1.87. Actually, it fell lower than that in some cases. We had to save the oil companies the, the price was getting. so. We were doing incredibly. We had the greatest economy in the history of our country, probably the greatest economy in the history of the world. We we're energy independent, soon to be energy dominant. We were going to be bigger than Russia and Saudi Arabia put together times two. We have more liquid gold under our feet than any other nation, any other nation. And these stupid fools ended it. And energy went from $1.87 and even lower for gasoline, for a car. They went from $1.87 to five, six, seven, eight, and even $9. And your electricity bills went through the roof, your heating bills went through the roof. And that's what started inflation. And it hasn't stopped because people are paying now for bacon and for eggs and for the two and three times what it was just a little while ago. We created the greatest economy in history. A big part of that economy was I get, got you the biggest tax cuts in the history of our country, bigger than the Reagan cuts, bigger than any... And, and also, Caitlin, also, as you know, we got the biggest regulation and regulatory cuts. We, this place was rocking, and then we were given a gift from China, and China paid a big price. And let me tell you something, I took in hundreds of billions of dollars in taxes from China. But prior to COVID coming in, and then I rebuilt the economy again a second time. But we had, prior to COVID coming in as, as from China, from Wuhan, which I said it came from Wuhan. Everybody said, oh, you're wrong about that. You're wrong. It came from Wuhan. I said it right from day one. So we had the greatest economy in the world. Here's the story. Uh, they made energy so high. And energy is all invasive. It is massive as an industry and as a cost. It lifted everything. If Mr. You President, made if you made economy. donuts, if you made, no matter what you did, and but, we had inflation the likes of which I guess we haven't, as I said, for 52 years, but I think more than that. We had no inflation. 
We had the lowest energy prices we've had in decades. This country was rocking and rolling. And by the way, we had the most secure border in the history of our Mr. country. Mr. I love how he answers the question so brilliantly. And then he just injects into it just at the very end there, just slaps it on the end there. Also, we had secured the border. And it's just like, I did all these awesome things. The economy was great. Also, border was secured. Right. It's it's like, it's trying to remind everyone things were better when I was president. And heck, you know, given his performance here, everybody definitely remembers that. What's funny is when Trump was president, I think a lot of people bought into the idea that Trump wasn't very good at rhetoric. He wasn't very good at speaking. He was brash. He was aggressive. He was hostile. But when you compare him to how Joe Biden speaks, he's like Lincoln. He's like George Washington. He's like John F. Kennedy. I mean, he just seems like a master of rhetoric, the greatest speaker on earth. I mean, I think a four-year-old seems like the greatest speaker on earth compared to Joe Biden. All right, let's check out the next one. I want to bring in Marta Cervea, a student here at St. Anselm. She is an undeclared voter who did not vote in 2020. Marta, what's your question? All right, look this chick up. She's a ghost. She's... She's not on social media. She's just, she doesn't exist. I couldn't figure out who the heck she was. So got no information on you about her. Pretty sure she's probably Antiva just by the look of her. Hi, Mr. President. Hi, uh, so my question is, what do you think about the United States current debt situation and how can we move forward? This is kind of an unusual question. I'm not really sure why they would put this one in. She's obviously reading this off of a note. So this is something that CNN specifically wanted her to ask Donald Trump. And, you know, maybe it's because I don't watch enough left-wing media. I should probably watch Rachel Maddow more often to figure out what the talking point here is on the left. But there's obviously some trick here. They obviously thought that Trump would say something that they specifically wanted him to say so they could use that against him in the future. But to be honest, I don't know what that is. Let's hear how he answers the question. Uh, such an important question. So we're at $33 trillion, a number that nobody ever thought possible. When we had our economy rocking and rolling just prior to COVID coming in, like literally, we were making a fortune. And oil, we were going to make so much money from oil, we were going to start paying off debt. But then with COVID coming in, we had to do other things. We had to keep this country alive because it was so serious. But we have to get the country back. We have to lower energy prices. We have to lower interest rates. Interest rates are through the roof. Energy has to come down. It all has to come down. And we have to start paying off debt. But when we have a debt limit, and they used that very seriously to me. They came in, Schumer came in with Nancy Pelosi, and they were using, we'll violate it, we'll do whatever. They talked a whole lot different than they do right now. I say to the Republicans out there, congressmen, senators, if they don't give you massive cuts, you're going to have to do a default. You know, come to think of it, the reason why they may have asked this question is just to point out that we incurred a lot of debt while Donald Trump was president, but that was because of COVID, right? But he addresses that here. And th I think a lot of times the left likes to play this game where they say, oh, look at how many jobs that Donald Trump lost and how many jobs that Joe Biden created, right? Well, actually, Donald Trump created all those jobs and then COVID destroyed them and like leftist mayors and governors destroyed all those jobs. And then all those jobs slowly came back when COVID was over, which happened to coincide when, with when Joe Biden was in office. But it wasn't because of anything that Joe Biden did. Joe Biden's policies didn't actually create those jumps, and yet he tr takes credit for it. So I think that what they were trying to do was like entrap him into saying something like, you know, we did great economically when I was in office and Joe Biden has done terribly. And then they would like fact check him and say, oh, this is another lie by Donald Trump. 
When actually, no, Donald Trump clearly states the reason the economy was ruined when he was president was because of COVID. He says that very clearly. Will they still try to twist what he said in the left-wing media and make him sound bad? Yeah, of course they're going to. But I don't think they were able to get him. Like, if you watch the town hall, if you actually watch the town hall, Trump comes out looking golden. So this backfired massively, as did all of their curated questions. And of course, Caitlin Collins tries to nail him on the follow-up. But again, Trump triumphs. You're going to have to do a default. And I don't believe they're going to do a default because I think the Democrats will absolutely cave because you don't want to have that happen. But it's better than what we're doing right now because we're spending money like drunken sailors. So you just to be clear, Mr. President, you think the U.S. should default if the White House does not agree to the spending cuts Republicans well, are demanding? you might as well do it now because you'll do it later because we have to save this country. Our country is dying. Our country is being destroyed by stupid people, by very stupid people. You once said that using the that using the debt ceiling as a negotiating wedge uh, just could not happen. You you said that sure. when you were in the That's Oval Office. That's when I was president. To, so why is it different now that you're out of office? Because now I'm not president. <laughs> Fantastic. Look how much fun the conservative audience members are having from just this answer alone. Okay. Trump is being honestly hypocritical. That sounds crazy, but he's saying, look, when I'm in office, I know how to fix the economy, right? So you can't use the debt ceiling as a negotiating tool because it's too, it would be too disastrous for the country if I'm in office. But if Biden's in office, they're so irresponsible, they're so crap at what they do that, heck, yeah, we have to use the debt ceiling as a negotiating tool. We can use anything as a negotiating tool because these people are ruining the country. And, uh, you know, normally that kind of hypocrisy or that kind of double standard is reserved for Democrats. For somebody on the right to say that and confidently say it, and a little bit cheeky, you know, you see a little bit of a smile there. For somebody like Trump to say that or a conservative, that's really out of character. For him to laugh about it, I mean, it's hilarious. Everybody's having a great time here. Obviously, there are some leftists in the audience that are not enjoying themselves, and they pretend that this was packed full of Republicans. Obviously, that's not true. But for the true Republicans, yeah, this was a great moment. The U.S. defaulting would be massively consequential well, you for it's, everyone it's, in this room, for all of You Americans. don't know. He gets, that, he gets that massive applause, and so Caitlin has to come in and be like, and, you know, somebody's telling her in her ear what to say. Donald Trump, it would be massively consequential. This would be a very bad thing. You can't say that. That's bad. You're a bad person. Trump's just like, you know, wh whatever. We got to use what we got to use. It's psychological. It's really psychological more than anything else. And it could be very bad. It could be maybe nothing. Maybe it's a, you have a bad week or a bad day. But look, you have to cut your costs. We're, we're spending $7 trillion on, much of it on nonsense, $7 trillion on nonsense. We've got and another question said, from a voter tonight. Get all of that money that was wasted, and frankly, the Senate should have never approved it. Get all that money that was wasted, and if they don't get rid of that, you'll have to default. Okay? Mr. You'll President, default. we've got another voter here tonight. And by the way, you're going to default eventually anyway, but it's going to be much messier. I don't think you'll have to default. I think if the Republicans hold strong and they say we want five, let's say we want five trillion dollars off, I really think the Democrats have no choice but to do it. And if I win, they're going to be doing the same thing to me in two years. I guarantee you that. Such a great point. He's absolutely right. Democrats do not care about playing fair. They will use anything that they can to negotiate. They will use any tactic. They will lie, cheat, and steal to get what they want. And so Trump's like, look, they're going to play hardball. We got to play hardball. I respect that. And I love that answer.
Let's move on to the next question. Bobby Petrino has been waiting very patiently. Sure. He's a student at St. Anselm. He's a member of College Republicans. He's an undeclared voter right now. He supported you in 2020. Bobby, what's your question for President Trump? I also tried to look this guy up. Couldn't find a thing. There's some kind of famous coach named Bobby Petrino. So uh, that may be the reason it's hard to find this guy online. But I don't know anything about him. Hi, thank you for coming. Uh, this is a bit of a pivot, but uh, with gun violence and mass shootings in the news cycle recently, I'm worried that state governments and the federal government are going to act to repress gun rights. Uh, under your administration, you uh, instructed the Department of Justice and the ATF to ban bump stocks. If elected president again, how would you act not only to defend our Second Amendment rights, but to restore rights that have been taken from us um, such as, by example, recently the ATF's ruling on the pistol stabilizing braces. This is another perfect example of Zugzwang. All right. They are trying to trap Donald Trump, right? They're, this question is very specific. They're talking about bump stocks. They're talking about you know, the legislation that, that uh, Donald Trump passed when he was president. And they're saying, look, you know, if you're too moderate, if you answer too moderately, he's going to lose his base. He's going to lose your Second Amendment guys. If you answer... Th in a way that sounds too radically right-wing, where you're going to lose the moderates, right? So again, they're putting him in this difficult position. Let's see how Trump navigates out of it. Yeah, as you know, the bump stocks are actually a very unimportant thing. And NRA, I went with them, and they said it doesn't mean anything. They were actually, all they do is teach you how to shoot very inaccurately. So we did that. Uh, there's been nobody that's protected the Second Amendment, as you know, like I have. I protected it through thick and thin, not easy to do. But we have a very big mental health problem in this country. And again, it's not the gun that pulls the trigger. It's the person that pulls the trigger. And we have to protect our second amendment. We have to protect our second amendment. Fantastic. Fantastic. Yeah. I mean, it's a simple answer. Uh, it's a simple answer, but and it's an honest answer. And it's the answer that we all would give, I think, if pressed on it. Uh, we all believe this. But it's it's exactly what needed to be said in that moment, which is, you know, I'm Donald Trump. I'm a great defender of the Second Amendment, okay, positions himself that way. And then he says, and this is the beautiful moment, he says, it's not the gun that pulls the trigger, it's the person that pulls the trigger. And that is exactly what we're always constantly saying on the right. It's it's absolutely perfect. It's exactly what needed to be said. And then he repeats a couple of times, we have to protect the Second Amendment. Exactly what people want to hear. And it's not radical. It's not a radical position. So him presenting things in that way, very calmly, very measured. It actually, dare I say it, sounds presidential. If you are reelected, are there any new gun restrictions that you would sign into law? So then, of course, she has to come in and she has to try to make Donald Trump sound as radical as she can try to make him sound. She probably got somebody in her ear, like I said, saying, OK, ask him this, right? Ask him this. My guess is that the person on the other end talking to her is some kind of master rhetorician. Is that a word? I don't know. Debater. I didn't want to say master debater because that sounds a little bit vulgar. But you understand what I'm saying. Somebody who knows how to debate is on the other line, is talking into a microphone that's in her ear, telling her what to say. Because she obviously doesn't know what she's doing. So they're thinking, okay, we haven't got tr Donald Trump to say something really radical or really extreme. He sounds too measured. He sounds too good. So let's back him into a corner. Let's try to force him to say something radical. So that's why she says, would you implement any restrictions? I mean, are you just going to do nothing? Do, do nothing? You're just going to let people die? Let children die? So yeah, so they're, they're trying to create points with which Democrats can attack Donald Trump. I would do uh, numerous things. For instance, schools, we would harden, very, very much harden, 
And I also, I'm a very believer. I believe in teachers. I love teachers. I think they're incredible. And they love the children, not quite like the parents, but they love the children in many cases almost as much. Many of these teachers are soldiers, ex-soldiers, ex-policemen. They're people that really understand weapons. And you don't need 5% of the teachers would be more than you could ever have if you're going to hire security guards. But in addition to that, have security guards. Uh, you have to harden your entrances. You have to make schools safe. And you can make other places safe. But it is a big mental health problem in this country more than anything else. And remember, we have 700 million guns, 700 million. Uh, many people, if they don't have a gun, they're not going to be very safe. I mean, if they don't have a gun, it gives them security. Now, you need them for entertainment. You need them for hunting. You need them for a lot of different things. But there are people that, if they didn't have the privilege of having a gun in some form, they, many of them would not be alive today. You know, there is a certain country that had a very strict policy on guns, very, very strict. Which country? And, uh, Brazil, okay? Brazil, uh, very strict. And the former president of Brazil, and the, the, the killing was incredible. They were walking into people's homes and killing people. They had no protection. He said, go out and buy guns. People went out and bought guns, and it went way down. The numbers went way down because they had security. If you look at Chicago, Chicago has the single toughest gun policies in the nation. They are so tough, you can't breathe. New York, too, and other places also. All of those places are the worst and most dangerous places. So, so that's not the answer. No new restrictions that you would sign if re-elected. Perfect answer. He gives this brilliant answer. Now, his point about Brazil, that's a brilliant point to make. His point about Chicago, that's a brilliant point to make. Two brilliant points. Look, sometimes you just got a lot of crime and the innocent... The good folks, they need to protect themselves, so they need those guns. His points were so good, in fact, that before the audience can cheer, Caitlin Collins jumps in to interrupt. Of course she does. And what does she say? She says, so no new restrictions on guns then, right? Like, let's make sure that that is the point that everybody takes away from this. You're against regulating guns. You want children to die, right? giving Democrats that talking point. All right, let's move on to the next question. Mr. President, I want you to meet Julie Miles, a registered nurse from Merrimack. She's a Republican who voted for you in 2020. Julie, what's your question for the president? Okay, so this is a question about abortion. They found somebody who is pro-choice. I looked her up. She's pro-choice. Uh, I don't really know anything else about her, but I do know she's pro-choice. So they get a pro-choice chick to ask the abortion question, of course. Thank you, Mr. President. Thank you. I appreciate you answering this question this evening. How do you plan to appeal to women voters in New Hampshire who are concerned about the Dobbs decision and how states may change their laws? It's such a great question, and it was such a great victory, and uh, people are starting to understand it now. Uh, you know that they wanted to bring it back to the states, but that was probably the least important part of that victory. What's critical about this question is that this is probably the most divisive subject in the country, right? And a lot of people think that Democrats won in the last election, the midterms, primarily because of, if not exclusively because of, the abortion question, the abortion issue. So I think Democrats really want to push Donald Trump on this issue. They really want to get a firm answer so they can use it against him. This is a question they took more time on than I think any other question of the night. Caitlin Collins really pushed Trump over and over on this. She wanted him to say something like, I will sign a federal abortion ban, something like that. They wanted a national abortion ban talking point. So she kept pushing him, she kept pushing him, she kept pushing him. But again, this is this is probably the best example of Zugzwang, right? The Zugzwang strategy. Let's get Trump in a situation where he's either got to sound too moderate for his base or he's got to sound too 
radical for the moderates, one or the other. And this is the best issue to get him on with that strategy. And Trump doesn't fall for it. He doesn't go for it. He says, I'm going to do what's right for the country. And this just drives Caitlin Collins nuts, or at least it drives nuts. The people behind the curtain, the guy, whoever it is that's talking to Caitlin in her ear, and whoever it is that is doing the research behind the scenes. The CNN team, I think, lost it. They were desperately trying to get him to say something that they could use against him. They didn't get it. Because Trump's just too good at this. He's just too good at it. Trump, as we say, is a legend. Getting rid of uh, Roe v. Wade was an incredible thing for pro-life because it gave pro-life something to negotiate with. Pro-life had absolutely nothing being stuck in Roe v. Wade to negotiate with. And now what's happening, and I see it all over, uh, deals are being made, deals are going to be made, and it, it, look, everybody that was president wanted to get rid and tried to get rid of Roe v. Wade you mean for 50 years. Republicans. For 50 years, this has been going on. Actually, a couple of Democrats, too. But for 50 years, this has been going on. I was able to do it, and I was very honored to do it. But by doing it, things are happening that are very, very positive. And you have to... I happen to believe in the exceptions. The life of the mother, rape, incest. Like Ronald Reagan believed in the exceptions. But I happen to believe that. I think it... I think it's, frankly, important to do that. But a lot of people are... Uh, you know, against that, a, sm a relatively small, relatively small number. But the so way I, I the way I look, I think it's very important to say this. I consider the other side to be radical, because the other side, under Roe v. Wade and other things, the other side, they're radical because they will. Remember the debate with Hillary Clinton? I said, rip the baby out of the womb at the end of the ninth month. They will kill the baby in the ninth month. If you look at that crazy governor of Virginia, from the former governor where he said, no, the baby will be born, and then we'll decide, essentially, whether or not to execute but the Mr. baby. But, Mr. President, can we talk... So, so Caitlin Collins has a rush in here to try to stop Trump from making this point, because Trump's making a great point, right, which is that people consider pro-life activists, Republicans, to be radical because they want to ban abortions. But he's saying, look, the reality is that the left, even the moderate left, they're the radical ones because they're pushing for not just an abortion at the end of the term, at the very end of the nine months, but even after the child is born in some cases, which really was what the former governor of Virginia said. The infant would be delivered. Uh, the infant would be kept comfortable. Uh, the infant would be resuscitated if, if that's what the uh, mother and the family desired. And then a discussion would ensue between the physicians and the mother. People on CNN are trying to fact check him, say this is a lie, you know, Democrats don't think this way. But that really was an issue with the former the former governor of Virginia. I mean, you can look into it. So so he's making these brilliant points, right? And uh, so Caitlin Collins has to jump in and interrupt him because that's what she's there to do. Don't let Trump look good. We must make Trump look bad at all costs. It's not the pro-life people that are radical. But if you are reelected and you're back in the Oval Office and you get legislation to your desk, would you sign a federal abortion ban into law? There she goes. So now she's trying to paint him into a corner. Here's the Zugzwang, and Trump's going to negotiate his way out of it. This was a little trickier than his other instances of negotiating his way out of a question. Usually he can just answer clearly and honestly. This is a lot more difficult. And, man, she asks him, like, I think, like, four or five times the same question. And he basically gives the same answer every time in a little bit of a different way. But Trump's like, I'm going to make everybody happy. I'm going to negotiate this in such a way that everybody's happy. 
And she's like, well, what does that mean? He's like, I'm going to do the right thing. She's like, but what does that mean? But Trump doesn't fall into the trap because he knows that is very politically dangerous. So he's very skilled here. He's very smart here. And he does it in a way that's very measured and sounds totally reasonable. And he's able to negotiate his way out of this very tricky situation. Uh, what I'll do is negotiate so that people are happy. But the fact that we were able, I was able, I'm so proud of it. We put three great justices on the Supreme Court. We have almost 300 federal judges on the Supreme Court. So you, the just fact, to be clear, just to be clear, Mr. President, you, you would sign a federal abortion well, ban into I, I law. I said this, I said this. I want to do what's right. And we're looking. And we want to do what's right for everybody. But what's right? But now, for the first time, the people that are pro-life have negotiating uh, capability. But I think that. this is a really important question for you to answer, because this is something all, every Republican, including those who are running against you for the nomination, are being asked about, is would you sign a federal well, abortion ban into yeah. law? And many of them are going to give you the same answer as I. Uh, I am, first of all, I am honored to have done what I did. And a lot of people said, they said, in 150 years, he's now the most consequential president because he saved so many lives. And I'm honored to have done it. This is excellent. I mean, and so once again, Trump turns this to his favor. Now, how does he do this? It's the same way that politicians answer questions in interviews because Caitlin Collins is really treating this like a hostile interview. She's not treating this like a town hall. She's going after Trump. She is going in with a million gotcha questions. That's what she wants to do. She wants to get a Trump to say something bad. She's trying to make him look bad. So Trump turns this around. This is what you do in an interview if you're good, if you're good at this sort of thing. I was going to say a good politician, but Trump's not really a politician. But it is kind of, if you're a good politician, this is what you'll do. And you'll do it well. A lot of politicians do this poorly, and it looks terrible. And I hate it when you don't answer a question directly. But she asks a question, and Trump gives an answer that is somewhat irrelevant to the question. She says, would you sign a hypothetical federal abortion ban? Trump says, look, I got a bunch of guys on the Supreme Court that were able to overturn Roe versus Wade. A lot of people think that that is a great legacy to have. They'll say, I'll go down as one of the greatest presidents of all time because I saved so many lives just by putting those people on the bench. The crowd goes nuts. They absolutely love it. And you know what? Naturally, of course, they're going to because that was a great accomplishment. So Trump's able to point out his accomplishments. He's able to take a tricky question, a gotcha question from Caitlin Collins and turn it into a way to highlight his own accomplishments. Masterful. Absolutely brilliant. Let's hear the next question. President Trump, I'd like you to meet Jennifer Simmons. She is a stay-at-home mom and former town selectman from Wyndham. She's a Republican and she voted for you in 2020. Jennifer, what's your question tonight? All right, I looked this chick up as well. Apparently she is a Republican but she calls herself consistently a fiscal conservative. Now, this raises a lot of red flags for me. As soon as you hear fiscal conservative, I think, okay, so you're like big on the trans thing or like, what does that mean? You're a fiscal conservative. I hate hearing fiscal conservative because all that tells me is that you're socially a leftist. All right, let's hear her question. Good evening, Mr. President. Title 42 is expected to expire tomorrow. Our southern border and now our northern border are experiencing record migration. We learned on May 2nd that the Biden administration plans on deploying 1,500 troops to the southern border. Do you agree with deploying troops to the border, and how will a Trump administration slow down the rate of migrants coming across all our border? So again, she's reading the card, right, that tells her exactly what she's supposed to say, this curated question from the CNN 
team. Look, here's what they've done with this question that's so tricky, right? They've inserted what they believe is a Biden victory or a Biden win or a good Biden policy, something that they don't think that Trump can disagree with. Biden is sending these troops to the border, right? They're putting that out there. They know Republicans are going to be watching this. They know Trump supporters are going to be watching this. They're saying, look, this is something that you guys will like. Joe Biden's done something good. Yeah, take that, Donald Trump. Let's see you disagree with this. But of course, Trump can disagree with it because you know what? This border crisis would never have happened while he was president. And of course, that's what he's going to say. Honestly, I don't understand sometimes how Democrats think, like, how could you not predict that this is going to be Donald Trump's answer? But I guess this is the best way they could figure out to broach this topic, because it is an important topic. It is something that you have to address. And they did try to formulate it in the best way they could to make Joe Biden look good and to try to make Trump look bad. But of course, it doesn't work. A very fair question, especially since tomorrow is going to be a day of infamy. You're going to have tens of thousands of people pouring into our country. Even the judge, you know, the judge overruled them when they wanted to terminate it early. And he said, you know that you better extend this thing. The judge in Texas said, I hope you're going to extend this. But this is my policy that they're letting terminate because they lost in court. They wanted to go earlier. You're going to have millions of people pouring into our country right now at a level that nobody's ever seen before. These people are sick. Anybody that wants this to happen to our country, they're destroying our country, and this should not be allowed to happen. How they're not going to do a version of Title 42 or my Title 42, which was tough, if people are sick and have infectious diseases and lots of other problems, we don't want them being into our country. We have enough problems right now. We have problems like we've never had in the history of our country. But Mr. Our country, President, our country the is reason being it's ending, destroyed. The reason it's ending is because the health policy, the COVID era pandemic emergency is coming to an end. That's what Title 42 was. You put it in place because That's of COVID. <laughs> so, of course, she jumps in there before Trump can answer that question or can respond to her statement, right? She makes it clear that, oh, Title 42 is about COVID, so we can't extend that. That that policy has to go away anyway. Trump said, yeah, that's right, okay? Trump is about to answer that honestly, and she interrupts him and she stops him from responding to that, which she should have let him respond to it, but of course she's a lefty or whatever. She's anti-Trump, whatever she is. She's got her whole thing going with CNN, so she's got to say what, you know, her puppeteers are telling her to say. But this is how I think Trump would respond to that. Yeah, title this this will end. 42 will end. But what you do is you figure out, oh, 42 is going to end. We're going to get this surge of illegal immigrants. Let's put something else in place. Let's plan for that, right? Let's fix it before Title 42 ends. They didn't fix it. They didn't care. They didn't do anything. They're fine with it ending and there being nothing else in place. You know, you could just execute the law. You could just execute the law as it is. You could say, okay, if you're an illegal immigrant, we deport you. That's the law. You get deported. That's it. They should round up every single illegal immigrant in America today and deport them. I don't care if you were two years old when you came across the border. You get deported. You're not supposed to be here, right? And, and it's not because I dislike, you know, illegal immigrants or I have a problem with them specifically. Like, it's about deterrence. If you go round up all the illegal immigrants that exist in America today and you deport them right now, everyone who wants to come over to America, they've got to know that they will be round up, they will be taken out of the country, deported, and so it's pointless to try to work here. If you give these massive fines to companies who hire illegal immigrants, and you go around and you round up the illegal immigrants, and it sounds harsh, but that's what you've got to do. You've got to get rid of the illegal immigrants. Now there's a follow-up 
and Caitlin Collins is about to try to nail Donald Trump. Does she do it? Is she able to do it? Let's find out. Moving on, another immigration policy you had was the zero tolerance immigration policy that separated families at the border. If you are reelected, are you ruling out instituting that? Well, when you have that policy, people don't come. If the family hears that they're going to be separated, they love their family. They don't come. So I know it sounds harsh, but if you remember, remember they said I was building prisons for children? It turned out that it was Obama that was building but the prisons for the children. But would you re-implement that if you're re-elected? Well, of course, he's got to interrupt him again because, because Donald Trump is pointing out that the media deceptively tried to pretend that this was a Donald Trump policy that was separating illegal immigrants from their children. But in reality, that that was in place before. That was in place with Obama. And in fact, that stuff was happening with Obama. Here, here's what I wish he would have responded to this. He doesn't say this, but I wish he would have said, look, when you arrest somebody, you arrest a mother for larceny or murder. Let's say they commit a murder and you go, OK, you're going to be arrested. You're going to go to court. You're probably going to be tried and convicted. You're probably going to go to prison. Let's say she's got three kids that she's taking care of. Do they then go, OK, you're going to go to prison, but oh, you got these three kids you're taking care of. We better put these kids in prison with you now. Nah. You, you put those kids with their grandmother or you put them in foster care, whatever they need, what needs to happen to them. You know, sometimes it's not great, but their mother is a murderer. You have to put her in prison. You know what I mean? Now, is murder the same as illegal immigration? No, obviously, you know, we're talking about degrees here of severity, but they did break the law. People are breaking the law by crossing the border. So you have to process them. You have to detain them, right, when they're coming over the border. So if you come over the border as a family, you know, and you arrest these people because they've broken the law, yeah, you're going to separate them from the children just like any criminal who goes to prison is separated from their children. You don't put children in the same cell as their prisoner parents. That's ridiculous, all right? So you have to treat these different parties differently. So I wish it would have made that clear, but, you know, because illegal immigrants, they're committing a crime. They're acting illegally. They must be dealt with as criminals. But of course, he doesn't bring that up. He's trying to be nice. He's trying to be measured. He's trying to seem moderate, and I think he is moderate, and I think he is measured, and so I think he's. this is a reflection of who he really is and what he really thinks. But he does make a great point, which is that if you have a policy like that, which sounds harsh, it is a deterrent. It's just like what I said about rounding up illegal immigrants and sending them back, deporting them back to their countries of origin. You have to do that. You have to act harshly with criminals because criminals are acting harshly with our country. They're doing what they want. They are not respecting our laws. So in order to deter other potential criminals, you've got to punish them in some way. And so Donald Trump is saying, look, when you do that, the families don't come. And he's absolutely right. How many people were immigrating into America under Trump and how many people are immigrating under Joe Biden? The proof is in the results. We we actually have real data, real res results to show what the difference between the Trump policies and the Biden policies. It's night and day. But the would you re-implement re that if you're re-elected? Is well, that what you're saying? A, we have to save our country, all right? We so can't it sounds afford... like that's a yes. No, no. When you say to a family that if you come, we're going to break you up, they don't come. And we can't afford to have any more. Look at New York City. Look what's happening. They're living in Central Park in New York City. The city is being swamped. Los Angeles is being swamped. Iowa is being swamped. Our whole country is being destroyed. Millions of people are coming into our country. And you know what the number is going to be, in my opinion, by the end of the year? Not the 4 million that you hear and the 3 million. Into, I think it's going to be 15 million people. And again, she tries to interrupt him, but he makes a brilliant case. We have 
to save our country. We are dealing with an emergency situation here, and we have to take drastic action to fix it. That's it. That's all it comes down to. Next question. Caitlin Boissonneau is a student here at St. Anselm College. She's a Republican. This will be the first election that she has voted in. What's your question for the president, Caitlin? I also couldn't find anything on this girl. Maybe she's a Republican. Maybe she isn't. I can't tell you. I couldn't find anything. I don't know what college students don't have every kind of social media available, but I couldn't find this woman anywhere. Hello, President Trump. Hi. Thank you so much for coming. Thank you. Um, Can I just say how nice Donald Trump has been to every one of the audience members who's asked a question? Totally gracious, totally generous. I told you guys that, uh, you know, a couple months ago in February, I met Donald Trump. And let me just tell you, he's a gentleman. He's a, he's a very gentle person. He's Everybody thinks he's very bombastic and aggressive because they hear his speeches, they see his debates, they, they hear him, you know, slam this person or that person. They think, oh, what a jerk, you know, what a bad person. I didn't really get that sense from him when I shook his hand. When he was speaking to me, he was more like he is in this town hall. Very gentle, very soft-spoken, very measured, and just a very nice guy. And I think that he comes across in this town hall much like how he is in real life. All right, let's hear what this chick has to say. Um, the current administration has made it clear that we should continue to provide military equipment to Ukraine so that they can defend themselves. Do you support this decision, and how would you deal with the increasing threat posed by Vladimir Putin? Again, this is, this is framed exactly how a leftist would want to frame it, right? Uh, the Biden administration has made it clear that this is what we need to do, right? So again, sort of like praising the accomplishments of Joe Biden, the threat of Vladimir Putin. They're extending this threat not just to Ukraine, but to the whole world, right? So they're trying to frame this in a way to make it as difficult as possible for Donald Trump to look good, to come out of this looking good. And of course, they have a follow-up here at the end where they try to trap Donald Trump yet again into sounding like a radical. <laughs> First of all, thank you very much. It's really nice. And it's an important question, so important, because we're giving away so much equipment. We don't have ammunition for ourselves right now. We don't have ammunition for ourselves. We're giving away so much. But here's the thing. I have to say it to start off. No longer matters. If I were president, this would have never happened. And even the Democrats admit that. Putin knew it would have never happened. And his pipeline would have never happened. A lot of things would have never happened. But this Which would Democrats never have happened. That, and Mr. all those President? dead people, both Russian and Ukrainian, it would, they wouldn't be dead today. And all those cities that are blown up and disintegrated right to the ground, that wouldn't have happened. OK. Now, here's the problem. We've given so far $171 billion. They've given, meaning they, meaning European Union, which is approximately the same size altogether as our economy. They've given about 20. So we're at 170, let's say, and they're at 20. Uh, you don't have to know too much about history to realize, or geography, to realize that they're a little bit more affected than we are, OK? So they've got to put up a lot more money, because they're taking advantage of us like every other country did. That's why I ended NAFTA and replaced it with the USMCA in Mexico. But on Canada. this issue, Mr. President, I, I should know, I don't know any Democrats who have said they don't believe Putin would have been invaded if you were president. But her question is, would you continue to give Ukraine money and weapons if you're elected? What's uh, the answer? I have a very good relationship with uh, President Zelensky because, as you know, he backed me up with the, with the phony uh, impeachment, impeachment hoax number one, when he said... The president didn't do anything wrong. So that was I happened when you to asked like him for an investigation so I happened to like yeah that's weapons. right and it, it was I was totally exonerated by the way just a waste of time and money. You were impeached over that. Yeah, you were impeached, impeached over that. But let's stay on topic.
specific here, Mr. President, because the question is, would you give Ukraine weapons and funding? I was impeached by a crazy woman named Nancy but Pelosi. But the question here is, would you give... Let me just say, this is my favorite part of the entire night. This is my favorite part of the debate. I felt like his answers, all of his answers during this segment were perfect. And you can tell that Caitlin Collins can't stand it. She's pushing back on him hard. The people in her ear pushing back on Trump hard. All the fact checkers behind the scene are pushing back on Trump hard. Their entire CNN team is going after Trump. And Trump is just boom, boom. He's just taking them out one by one. And it is a flawless victory. It's fantastic. It's so funny how she, he can turn something like, you were impeached into something that benefits him, right? He says, I was impeached by a crazy woman named Nancy Pelosi. And that gets a laugh from the crowd, right? And I laughed hearing it. I absolutely loved it. Trump can turn any kind of attack, it seems, and turn it in his favor. He's so good at it. This chick, uh, I almost feel bad for her. Again, little bunny rabbit up against a tiger. Woman named Nancy but Pelosi. But the question here is, would you give Ukraine weapons and funding if you were elected? I would sit down. Let, let me just put it a nicer way. Uh, if I'm president, I will have that war settled in one day, 24 hours. How would you settle that war in one day? Because I'll meet with Putin, I'll meet with Zelensky. They both have weaknesses and they both have strengths. And within 24 hours, that war will be settled. It'll be over. It'll be absolutely over. Do you over. want Ukraine to win this war? Uh, I don't think in terms of winning and losing. I think in terms of getting it settled so we stop killing all these people and breaking them as, as countries. Now, what do you... Can I just follow up on that? You said you don't think in terms of winning and losing. You have Mr. to get President, can Europe. I just follow up on that? Because that's a really important Excuse statement me, let me that just you just made up. there. Can you say if you want Ukraine or Russia to win this war? I want everybody to stop dying. They're dying, Russians and Ukrainians. I want them to stop dying. This is another perfect example of the Zugzvan, right? This idea where she's like, okay, let's try to get Trump to say something that his base is going to hate, right? That he wants to support Zelensky. Or let's get him to say something that the moderates are going to hate, that in fact he supports Putin or something like that, or he doesn't care that much about Ukraine or whatever. And in fact, MSNBC reported this as if Trump were to become president again, he would give Ukraine to Putin. He would just give it to Putin. So yeah, you got the situation here where Donald Trump is given this very difficult question. And what a brilliant answer. Because Caitlin Collins is not a soldier. She's not thinking about war correctly. She's not thinking of it like a soldier or a general or in terms of strategy. She's just thinking of it in terms of politics. And Trump's thinking, OK, how do you really get out of a war? And the reality is you don't always win. And you don't always lose. Sometimes you just negotiate your way out of war in the same way you negotiate a great business deal. And this is the guy to do it. And Trump makes that very clear. And it's brilliant. But the next point, the next point is my ultimate favorite. And I'll have that done. I'll have that done in 24 hours. I'll have it done. You need the power of the presidency to do it. But you but won't say that you want Ukraine to win. You, you know what I'll say? In, I'll say. You see, you see how she tries to put that point in there. But you won't say that you want Ukraine to win. Okay, let's move on to the next thing. She doesn't even want him to answer. She just wants that point out there. That's the idea she wants in the head of the people watching. He doesn't want Ukraine to win. That's what she's trying to say, right? What she's trying to get people to think that he's saying, right? She's, she's twisting what he's saying in order to infect the minds of the listeners. It's a very dirty trick, very dirty trick. But Trump jumps in there and he defends himself and he says what he really thinks. And you, you know what you I'll say? In, I'll say this. I want Europe to put up more money because they're in for $20 billion, we're in for $170, and they should, an be, and they should be, and they should equalize. They have plenty of money. 
They should equalize. I got with NATO, but when I sat down, Ukraine I got them right to now, put up Mr. hundreds President. of billions of dollars that they weren't paying under Obama and Bush and all of these other presidents. That's why they're, they're able to help them fight the war, because of the money I got. But, but I let's want talk Europe about what's to, happening in Ukraine, excuse me, Mr. President. I want Europe to put up more money, because they're laughing at us. They think we're a bunch of jerks. We're spending $170 billion for faraway land, and they're right next door to that land, and they're in for 20 I don't think so. All right, this next bit is my favorite point that he makes all night. It's not a question from the audience, but I thought it was important to include because it is still about the war in Ukraine. And it's just such a brilliant point. It just shows the difference between somebody who thinks about this stuff politically and somebody who thinks about this stuff realistically, problem solving. Do you believe that Putin is a war criminal? He's responsible for the deaths of thousands well, of Ukrainian men and women Well, I think this. I think it's something that should not be discussed now. It should be discussed later. Because right now, we have to get a war. If you say he's a war criminal, it's going to be a lot tougher to make a deal to get this thing stopped. Because if he's going to be a war criminal, where people are going to go and grab him and execute him, he's going to fight a lot harder than he's fighting, you know, under the other circumstance. Uh, that's something to be discussed at a later date. Isn't right it now, we want to get that war is? settled. Yeah, it's just the difference between somebody who is rational and sensible and thinking through this and should be president and just a bunch of politically-minded activists, which is what you've got at CNN. All right, final question of the night. John Jordan Sullenberger is here. He's an undeclared voter from Hollis. He voted for you in 2020. Jordan, what is your question for President Trump tonight? All right, I looked this guy up. Again, couldn't find a thing on him. His entire presence online has been scrubbed. She says that he voted for Trump. I don't buy it. He's an independent voter. He looks to me like some kind of left-wing activist. I don't buy that he voted for Trump for a second, especially given the question that he asks. Thank you, Mr. Trump. Thank you very much. I'm 26. I'm a veteran. I uh, help manage a private aviation company. Um, you want a job? I'd love one, yeah. I'm looking, yeah. I'm looking for somebody very good. I, uh, I'm not for mandates or government interference in private business, but right. I've seen Republicans going after us like DeSantis after Disney. Right. What would you do as president to protect us from government interference? Well, I'm This is a weird question. This is a really weird question, especially coming from a Republican voter, a so-called Trump supporter, right? This is why I think this guy's probably a left-wing political activist. He's talking about the DeSantis versus Disney situation, and he's somehow equating that to government interference with privately owned businesses. I mean, you couldn't get a more left-wing scripted question. If you got a hundred leftist political activists, I don't think they can come up with a question as ridiculously leftist as this. Because, first of all, with the DeSantis-Disney thing, we're not talking about government intervention in businesses or interfering with businesses. We're talking about the reduction of government subsidies for a business. Like, they're taking away special rights from Disney that Disney probably shouldn't have anyway, first of all. Secondly, Disney is a massive corporation, right? It's not like I have a private business. I have a small business, which is my YouTube channel. My father has a private business, right, which is plastic extrusion. We're not talking about some small private business that's being dominated by the authoritarian government. That's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about Ron DeSantis in Florida, right, the state government, dealing with a mega corporation, a massive corporation, Disney. So these are two juggernauts going head to head. This isn't government interfering with a private corporate. It's ridiculous. The whole way this is framed is absurd, first of all. Finally, they're talking specifically about DeSantis. So I think this question was really meant to throw Donald Trump off guard because they're trying to say DeSantis is your opponent. 
potentially in a primary, maybe. So can you say something bad? I think they're fishing for Trump to say something bad about Ron DeSantis here, or maybe even say something that's anti-business, which would be interesting, or maybe something that would be pro-business, which is in the case of Disney versus DeSantis, would put them on the side of the Disney company. This is another situation where it's like a no-win scenario question. No matter what Donald Trump says about this, the left thinks the leftists at CNN believe that they can draw something out of it, twist it, turn it into some kind of an attack on Donald Trump. But it doesn't work. And the reason it doesn't work is because this is such a weird question, such a convoluted question, such a ridiculous question that Trump doesn't even answer it. He starts to say, look, I am your best bulwark against government intervention in your private business. He doesn't even regard, he completely disregards the DeSantis Disney part of it. He just focuses on the idea of the government interfering with your private business. He says, I need to be elected and they are stopping me from being elected. So, but if I can get elected, obviously I'm going to be able to protect you against big government. And so by sort of changing the context of the question, he's able to answer in a way that makes a lot of sense, works really well, and doesn't get him into that trouble that the CNN producers are trying to get into with their little Zugzwang strategy. Well, that was the last question of the night. Let me know what you guys think in the comments below. Do you think that this CNN town hall was rigged? I mean, it's a ridiculous question. Of course it was rigged. Uh, it was rigged against Donald Trump. And that's why it just made the whole thing so spectacular, so much better. I don't think a lot of people watch this because a lot of people that are conservative, they didn't want to watch CNN. And a lot of people that were leftists, they didn't want to watch Donald Trump. So I think that even though it was a highly rated show for CNN, I think far fewer people watched it than could have if it had been on, you know, maybe Newsmax or something like that. But yeah, this was definitely rigged against Donald Trump, totally backfired. Donald Trump absolutely destroyed this so-called town hall that wasn't really his town hall, but basically a trap for Donald Trump. So well done, Donald Trump. Well done, Patriots. You know, I think I've read all through Twitter, all through the comments, on the last video I posted about this, which was, you know, my super cut of the town hall. And people, there's so many people that said, look, I had given up on Donald Trump. I wasn't going to vote for him. But now I am 100% behind Trump again. CNN really messed up big time. They took people who had turned their backs on Trump, walked away, been bored of Trump, or stopped believing in Donald Trump, and they brought them back into the fold. CNN inadvertently reinforced Donald Trump's base of support in America. Fantastic. All right. Well, that's it for me, ladies and gentlemen. Remember to check out my other channel, Alpha Critic. I got some fantastic reviews on there recently and a bunch to come. It's a fantastic show. I really want to build that channel up. So even if you really don't care about pop culture stuff and movies, subscribe to the channel anyway. Just show me some love. Show me a little bit of support there. And as always, remember, it's not that a liberal funds are ignorant. It's just they know so much that is not so. Good night. What is fascism? Fascism is private ownership private enterprise, but total government control and regulation. Well, isn't this the liberal philosophy? The conservative, so-called, is the one that says, less government, get off my back, get out of my pocket, and let me have more control of my own destiny.